This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of I Want to Matter. Your life is too short and too precious to waste. Written and narrated by New York Times bestseller Kathy Lee Gifford. Available now everywhere you get audiobooks. Dynamic voices for a diverse church. This is Pass the Mic. Hey folks, welcome to another episode of Pass the Mic. I am your host, co-host Jamar Tisby, and with me on the microphone is the one, the only, Tyler Burns. Welcome to the show, Burns. Hold up, I like getting introduced, okay? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, can, I, I, I gotta go through your resume. Hold up. I gotta go through uh, Well, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I ain't yeah. got no resume. Uh-uh, nah, uh-uh. The, the pastor, the preacher, uh-uh, uh-uh. Here the we busiest go. man behind the microphone, Tyler Burns. <laughs> welcome. <laughs> How you feeling, bro? I'm feeling good, man. Yo, thank you for doing the intro. We can switch it up. We're I like switching this. things up this whole episode. I like switching this thing up because sometimes the unwritten rules that you have that it has to start a certain way and be done a certain way and have a certain style, sometimes those rules need to be rewritten. They need to be questioned. And sometimes these rules need to be done away with and challenged. And other times these rules are just actually funny and we actually need to hold on to them because they do have some sort of meaning. But we're talking about unwritten church rules. This is really interesting because many of us have been in church and I don't know, Jamar's pop locking right now, but anybody, <laughs> anybody who's been in church for a long time, you know this, right? When people say things, they don't really mean what they say. They're just saying them in church because that's a thing you say, but there are unwritten church rules. Yeah. There are things that you should be aware of. There are things that we all know because we've been in church for decades. And so we're familiar with it. We know the customs. It's just assumed. Yes. And this is not just black church, right, Jamal? Mm-hmm. Not at all. So there's lots of unspoken that end up oftentimes being much more cultural and contextual than biblical, let's say. So yes. that's why it's important to sort of name these things, re-examine yes. them. Sometimes there's stuff you want to keep, even if you acknowledge it's mostly cultural, right. as long as you understand that and don't try to impose it on people like, thus saith the Lord. Right. right. But no, this is how we do things. And then there's, like you said, some stuff that, nah, that ain't it. Like, Okay, so, so here's what we should do. We should throw out one rule at a time and then you know, we'll ask ourselves if this is a rule we should keep. Okay. okay. We'll throw it out one rule at a time. Okay. Can I go first? Uh, please. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Unwritten black church rule. Okay. And there's no number we're, we're going to go with. We'll see where it goes. Unwritten black church rule. Okay. Y'all ready for this one? This is very important. You never announce if the pastor is not going to be in the pulpit on Sunday. Ah. Why not? You never announce <laughs> if the pastor is not going to be in the pulpit on Sunday because. If the pastor is not in the pulpit on Sunday, then that means nobody's going to show up. (laughs) (laughs) Free Sunday. The regular preacher's not there. Yes. Okay. This includes the youth preacher, the associate preacher, the outreach preacher, the evangelist. Don't count. The guest preacher. Even the famous guest preacher. It don't matter. If pastor isn't showing up. Now, it could be a rare case. If it's the really famous guest preacher who pastor went 
to seminary with or school with and he got a huge mega church and they just best friends and he comes in sometimes and you know he can preach you might stay for that or right. you're gonna get some extra visitors right. for that but by and large you don't advertise you never say if the pastor's not gonna be in town because then the people not gonna show up yes and yes. you know i have found that this is a rule across different churches mm-hmm. different denominations because we know different sizes yes. socioeconomic statuses all the above now i gotta be honest this is a rule i want to scrap okay right. Right. can we get over this right can we get over this listen i know pastor bishop so-and-so that's that's your person that's the person that you enjoy listening to. Nothing wrong with having a preference. They got a word. That's your pastor. I appreciate it. Whenever people are like, oh, you're my pastor. And, and if you're not speaking today, it, it feels good to hear that. Mm. Right. But it's actually unhealthy because if you just hear it from me, now I feel the pressure that all your spiritual growth, <laughs> your spiritual That's discipleship, your spiritual understanding rests upon my shoulders. And listen, I don't care if I'm a great preacher or a decent preacher or a bad preacher, whatever it may be. Nobody is that good. No, Mm-mm. nobody is that good. Can we get back to preaching teams? Is this a thing? Mm. Can we do this? Mm. And I know in the black church, you don't typically do that. But can we do preaching teams? Yeah. And can also- we have a rotation at least? Yeah, to 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 sort of get the congregation used to teaching and being discipled by a community and not just an individual. And I also think that whole phenomenon of if the regular preacher's not there, you're going to lose members on Sunday speaks to really a failure in our understanding of ecclesiology and what the church is for and how the church should function. So one, if I think I don't need to come because my favorite preacher is not in the pulpit. It's a very consumeristic mindset. Hmm. Like I go there in order to be entertained, in order to receive something. Obviously, it's a two-way street and good worship. But if it's to the point where you're like, I can take this Sunday off because my favorite right. preacher's not there, right. then what are your reasons? The other thing is it 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 speaks to how preaching-centric worship is yes and there are all kinds of worship prayer can be worship singing can be worship uh giving the lord's supper is worship giving is worship and actually preaching is just one part of Mm. what it means to worship even congregationally so i'm talking sunday morning and so we've talked in another episode about like like uh differences growing up as church kids and like I said, I went, to, I, I, I grew up going to Catholic school mm-hmm. and the center is not the preaching. Right. It's the Eucharist, right? And so there's actually other Christian traditions where the sermon is not the central climax of right. Sunday morning worship. And I'm not saying whether it should or shouldn't be. All I'm saying is that's actually just one component of worship. And when you can't announce that the regular preacher is not going to be there without risking a smaller group of people coming, then perhaps we've elevated the preaching moment to a place in worship where it shouldn't be. That's that's interesting. Now, I do believe in the power of the sermonic moment. And that's my black church coming out, right? The power of the sermonic moment, there's something unique about it, right? But I think it is true that sometimes we can overrate that moment as being the only important thing or the most important thing in the context of the church and that will never be the case. Right. So I think that is very important. So I think we should do away with this. It's okay. And I think there's also a freedom in it as a pastor too, that I want to empower other voices. 
If I'm here and you're not actually flourishing in your purpose, if you have a gift to preach and teach and communicate and that's not being developed, then the house is failing you in terms of discipleship, in terms of your sanctification and in terms of your growth. So, yes, let's yeah, do away with that. I think a big one, too, just to, to, to put a punctuation mark on that is like there's a sense in a lot of churches and black churches in particular that you got to wait your turn. yes. And like the preacher's the preacher. <laughs> yeah, I know you know. I know you know. And and Trust. a lot of times that senior pastor, that preacher, ain't going nowhere till they die or till they yeah, get real, real, real a, advanced, right? And so and it such does an unhealthy not, mindset. Right, right. It doesn't give people opportunities to exercise their gifts, to learn leadership, to make mistakes in an environment where they could possibly recover because there's more support. All of those things. And then that's how black churches expand or, or, or multiply. It's like there's somebody waiting in the wings, waiting, waiting, waiting. And, and, and they leave and they start their own church. I can think of actually five churches in my city where that's the case. It, yeah. It's almost like the football team where you've got the quarterback, the starting quarterback, yeah. and an incredible second string or, 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 or backup. They never get the chance. They never get the opportunity. So guess what? And I'm now, free agent. Oh, yeah. Now transfer portal in yeah. college football. They're hopping straight Audi. into the transfer portal. Now, that makes a lot of sense. And yes, that is a source of a lot of black church dysfunction. Can we let some stuff go? Like letting the pulpit go. It's a freedom and a grace to preachers. I do want to shout out, like, I think modern black preachers are doing a better job of this. Mm. So I think I think we're trying to do better with this. So shout out to y'all. All right. You, it's your turn. Now. Okay. So- I have to say this, we're coming yeah, from different which, contexts. Yeah, what, what, which denomination, which tradition are you coming from? Is it the Catholic? Which one are you coming it's from? Broadly evangelical and okay. reformed is what these points are coming from. Okay, so the PCA. Got you, got you. <laughs> so, uh, so it's going to be different than, than your black church upbringing and unspoken rules and things like that. So one of them is you don't vote for Democrats. Hmm tends to be unspoken. Oh, wow. Right? They may not say those words, don't vote for the Democratic huh. candidate, but it's assumed. Even the black folks? Mm -mm. No. So most of these are like, it depends on how much Kool-Aid they've drank. Ah, but <laughs> but it's assumed that a conservative politics is the Christian way to be political. Hmm. Hmm. And I can distinctly remember one of the real big turning points for me was um, walking out of church in Jackson and there was somebody with a bumper sticker. There was some local like referendum or vote going on. It wasn't an election. It was, it was about some sort of uh, bill or measure mm -hmm. um, that was up for a popular vote. And on a, one of the cars coming out of the church was a sticker, a bumper sticker in support of the Republican position. Mm -hmm. And I was walking with a group of folks um, coming out of church, and I just remember stopping. And I looked at it, and I'm like, nobody is batting an eye. Right, right. But if it was a bumper sticker in support of the Democratic oh, you position already know on what that, that would have been. They would have grabbed you by the elbow, <laughs> leaned in real intimately and said, hey, brother, let me tell you about the gospel of Jesus Christ. <laughs> because you were in support of the democratic position, right? Yes, and so yes. it's been, you know, just, just the general democratic position has been painted as pro-abortion baby killers, uh, you know, giving away money to people who don't deserve it through social right. support systems, right. all of those kinds of things which have been 
cast and characterized and and, and I'm, those are just two examples but the platform more broadly characterized as not only not just a different position that we can argue about the policies but like an unbiblical yes. evil sinful one yes. Yes. And we saw this all over, you know, when Obama was running for election, when Clinton was running for election, all of these things. And it's so assumed that the quote unquote Christian way of doing politics is Republican that it even propelled Donald Trump into office. Yes, it did. So, <laughs> so I think I hear, you know, some of that in my city, but not in my church. Uh, so it's very different, you know, having a majority black congregation mm-hmm. and context. Yes. I think a lot of people understand the, the freedom and the Christian liberty that comes. Now, there are black Republicans. I don't want to, you know, yeah. get that twisted. There are definitely black Republicans, conservative black folks, um, those who kind of appear at that, that culture war party line. But I will say what I tend to see is uh, much more of a, a moderate stance um, on politics and much more of a uh, widespread critique stance on politics. So critiquing both parties um, in strong ways, but also having the realism and the pragmatism to know, oh, this person is dangerous, mm-hmm. uh, you know, which is the case with 45. Like, oh, this man is dangerous. Like, we got to actually get him out of office. So, yeah, let's all vote, you know. Right. And also, I think this unwritten, unspoken Reality, which is, oh, we need to look out for one another and we need to make sure that one another has the avenue, the means and the registration to go ahead and vote. You know, that's like a big, big thing. So definitely that's something that has to go. That has to go. All right. You ready for number two for me? What you got? Unwritten black church rule. If you are new, you do not sit on the front row. Now, let me tell you why this is important. Okay. So this is why this is important, right? It's important because if you sit on the front row, you are a known quantity within the church. And what I mean by that is the pastor and the staff can depend upon you not to sit down when the service is standing to kind of know what's going on and to not be put in an awkward position to where you don't know what's happening and you're in front of everyone, right? <laughs> I so, so that front row kind of gives cues. Yeah, that front row kind of gives cues. It's kind of the amen space. And as a pastor, it's really, really great. The place where we were meeting pre, uh, prior to, pre-pandemic, um, it was very interesting because we had to block off the front row all the way across. And the way it was, it was sitting, it felt like I was very distant from the people. Mm. And so just because we had to put some lights and stuff there, we had to block off that front row. And so I felt extra distant from the people. And it was actually kind of felt a little negative, uh, like I didn't like it as much. And so here's why I like this rule, this unwritten rule, not because we want to exclude people from seats in church, which is a whole nother conversation. But here's why I like this rule. I like this rule because I don't want to put new people on the spot. Mm, that's good. Right. Yep. Let's not put new people on the spot. Let's not have new people stand up. Let's not have them wave. We used to do this thing and it worked so well in the nineties. It was actually incredible in the nineties where everyone who had been attending the church for six weeks or more would stand. Mm-hmm. And then everyone who was not would, would stay seated. And so you would get like literally like 50 hugs and handshakes <laughs> because you were sitting down. Right. Yeah. And then people would bring you things. They bring you a special gift. They do all this stuff because you were sitting down, right? Not work then. And people are like, oh my goodness, I felt so much love. And then I came back the next week because I wanted to get that many hugs again, right? Uh, now in an introvert world, nah, like don't, don't. post pandemic, yeah. like, don't touch me. Yeah, <laughs> definitely not. But don't, I don't need to see it. Like, let me just fill it out on my phone. Let me do this. I don't know if I want to be seen here. Mm-hmm. If this is a bad experience, you may be weird. 
I may have church hurt, trauma, all these things, but it's good not to single out people now. And that's right. why I like the idea of not doing a front row situation. Cause just in case you need to leave or just in case you don't agree with something or something feels odd and strange, you can sit wherever you want to sit. Like that's totally fine. And it's actually good for us to try to angle to find Let's give them the best seat in the house, which is typically not the front row. Right? <laughs> it's just typically not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and is the front row a place of honor for like church mothers and fathers or just, you know, longtime folks? Yeah, typically, yeah, right? Yeah, so yeah, typically yeah. like your church mothers, your church fathers will will be in those spaces, right? And so they'll probably be off to the side. And then like your staff or the people who are like, you know, been been to the church for a while, very vocal, you know, typically your amen corner your your high intensity worshipers you'll put them at the front why because you want there to be energy that mm-hmm, transfers mm-hmm, back to the mm-hmm, rest of mm-hmm. of the congregation and so i actually like the idea of not putting and singling out new people on the front row that's a lot of pressure and you're looking around and you got the pastor's family over here and you got this over here and they're like oh hi you know like so i kind of like that unwritten rule and we can talk about some other implications of that but i like that unwritten rule So that reminds me of another unwritten rule, which I think is universal, black churches, white churches, all denominations. And it's this, you don't sit in a different pew than your usual one. Oh yeah. You got a reserved seat. You, your name's never on it. You got a reserved seat. But it's so, so, so it's that visitor who, who doesn't sit in the front row, but wherever they sit becomes their spot. So the next Sunday, they'll, they, they sit in the same spot, in the same spot, in the same spot. And it would be, I remember in, in larger churches, like you could be in the same service at the same right, time, right. but it was almost like there was a whole other congregation because you sat on the right side yes. of the aisle and there's this whole other group of people that sits on the left side yeah. of the aisle. And if and you're in a really big church, the energy is different on depending on It could on be so side. different, yeah. balcony, all of that stuff. Yes, yes. But you don't switch it up. It's like, <laughs> I mean, it's just like... That, that bothers me, fam. You know? It really genuinely bothers like, me. Like, there is actually no rule. You you can sit wherever. <laughs> you can sit wherever, <laughs> but you also can't sit wherever. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> We're creatures of habit, and if but if if you sit in the seat that I normally sit at, it's like what's happening? I'm off. I'm I'm wow. off my worship game. Like that's gonna distract me the whole service. Or I can't see right. Or, yeah, you know, exactly. I'm being blocked, or I got yeah. kids, and I'm supposed to be on the end, and now you're gonna deal with them. Okay, <laughs> yeah, yes. exactly, so, exactly. Yeah, but that's one of these unspoken yes. rules. It's like wherever you sit that first Sunday, that becomes your spot. <laughs> that's so interesting. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about. It. I feel like we miss something when we don't experience the the dynamism of of sitting in different places. And I can see like in an old church building, I can see literally an outline and a diagram of where mm-hmm. members sit. Like I can see it in my mind's eye. Like I see, oh, four was back. It's the Randalls, and then across right, from them, right, right, right. Like, yeah, like pastors know. can know who oh, was there know. and who wasn't because just just, just because from that seats the placement. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, switch it up. I think we need to switch it up. We have to switch it up. But there is the power of routine, right? Like, so it would be distracting for some people if, say, for instance, somebody else was sitting in their seat that they're normally used to, or because, you know, they did bounce around and found a spot that worked for them for whatever reason, and you change it up, right? Like, so there's something about being able to be present in the worship that even your seating is part of that. Yes, but there's a double-edged sword to that, right? And the and the the other edge to that is, yo, should the church be a place of routine? 
like, should the church be a place of comfort? And should you have comfort to that level to where you're like, literally, oh, I'm stuck in this seat and this is my seat and this is how I interact with worship. You know what I'm saying? That makes me think like, ah, is it too comfortable then? Because <laughs> well, you're going to think- sit in your seat. And if you're sitting in your seat like that, I feel like, and this is just me. I feel like if you're sitting, if you have a seat seat, you're not serving. Mm. Like, that's what I feel like. I feel like, oh, if you got a seat seat, you're not serving. You're too comfortable. Because you way too comfortable. If you're known by that seat, that means at least, at least twice a month, you are not serving. So you, you're maybe serving once a month, not twice. And I'm like, we got to get you serving. Because <laughs> once you're serving, you don't even think about that, right? Hopefully. Yeah. I'm thinking more along the lines of like distraction and, and I don't think a seat should be the thing. What is, what is y'all getting distracted by? What is, in, in these churches, what are you, <laughs> what are you, what is distracting y'all in the PCA? What is distracting y'all? <laughs> is it, is it the person? Is it that they tall? Is it a, now when I mean distraction, I mean, this person might scream and holler and dance, okay? This person might yell at the top of their lungs. What's the distraction for y'all? Don't say y'all. <laughs> what, the, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Um, uh, I didn't say you people, bro. I uh-uh. just said, you, you, you looking at me like I represent no, this I'm whole thing. No, I'm just asking, what's a distra- what would be considered a distraction? <laughs> for the frozen chosen? Clapping. <laughs> <laughs> Clapping. Okay, so do you have... Okay, this is a side note. We, we're off topic, but do y'all have people that come in and start clapping and then or start saying amen and start saying hallelujah They're and shouting? They're usually a guest. <laughs> and, does everybody look at them funny? Yeah. Yeah, in a Presbyterian wow. setting, yeah. Does anybody like too. talk to him? Does anybody talk to him or say anything? Yes, I do. Wow. And, and my wife looks at me like, <laughs> "Oh no, you." I mean, like, tell him to stop. Is what I mean. Oh no, no, no! It is never that rude. It's just like nobody else is doing it, so you feel weird. Oh man, I'm a lot. I'm that dude a lot of times though. But right. at this point, I don't care if they say man. something that needs an amen. I say amen. Wow. And you can actually start a ripple effect depending on the church and the age and all that stuff. But yeah, that's one of those unspoken things in certain congregations wow. that an emotive style of worship in worship is it's not like wrong or frowned upon, although there are like like in seminary in worship class, like we had some folks who would go through and say what was decent and in order and would say being essentially say being too emotive was distracting, right? Like, <laughs> right. and, and I'm, not, I'm not talking about no, I understand. the falling out or whatever. No, no, it no, might no. Be. just like just one hand in the air, yeah, just little, you know, just a little one hand. That's one hand in the little, air, forehead high, can't be above your head. Uh, you know, no, nah, they wouldn't say all uh, that. I was but, about to know. say, <laughs> <laughs> nah, name names, name names. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's an wow. unspoken rule in some churches. Is like you that's, know, that's interesting. You use your voice. Maybe you sway. You can sway. Not not like picking up your feet, <laughs> but wow. like rock back and forth. But that's about as much as they do. Wow. Hmm. That's tough, bro. That's interesting. That's just that's so fascinating. It's really that's really intriguing for, for me. For black hear. folks, especially, it feels very stifling. Right. I can imagine. And not even that, and this is what I, I think like not even that black folks are intending to like be all over the place, you know, or be clapping and hollering and hooting and doing all that. Like, but that there's like this perspective of like freedom in worship and freedom in body and fully embodiedness. Yes. That it's like, wow, you know, if you don't have that, that's that kind of really tough. Very rough. Yes. 
Okay, let's take a break. We'll come back with some more unwritten church rules right here on Pastor Mike. Hey, Jamar, you know, we have been doing Pass the Mic for about seven years now. That is, I don't know how many episodes, a lot. <laughs> millions of downloads, I yes. mean, so many sessions, and we still love doing this, right? We absolutely do. I am amazed at how much energy we have. I think it gets better, like fine wine over time as yes. we do it. And that's what we tell ourselves. Yes. <laughs> Touch <man>, and agree. <laughs> I want us to do this for another seven years. And to do this, we are needing the audience's help. Yes. We need your help as listeners to fund this incredible work here that we're doing at Pass the Mic. And they can do that through our Patreon community. Yes. Would you consider becoming a patron of Pass the Mic for just a dollar an episode? One dollar. You can support this work. Go to patreon.com forward slash pass the mic. MIC, patreon.com forward slash pass the mic and fund and fuel this work for the next seven years the next seven years the next 10 years who knows the next 50 years if the lord should tarry (laughs) we are excited about it we're gonna be holograms yes we will but you can fund it at (laughs) patreon.com forward slash pass the mic thank you all so much for your help and support thank you Okay, Jamar, here's a really interesting one that y'all might not know, but this is really an unwritten black church rule. You do not leave the sanctuary during offering. You do not leave the sanctuary during offering. <laughs> you, you do not. Does it if look you, like you're running away from giving? Yes. Uh-huh. You do not leave the sanctuary offering for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's said to be uh, honor. So you're, you're allowing and you're removing distractions so that people... Do not are not distracted by your exit so that they can fully be in the giving moment. And then second, because it's often a very difficult moment for people or a moment where they have to make big decisions. This is just the the line. And then secondarily, because it looks like you are running away from <laughs> having to sacrifice and give. Right? right. So the whole thing is what you'll see. And this will typically happen when you have an offering then leading into music before the word, before the uh, word, before the sermon. What will typically happen is you'll have the offering. And um, as soon as people drop off their offering in the bucket, which will typically have people bring them to the front, typically when they get out of their seat and drop it off in the bucket, they'll loop out and go to the bathroom. <laughs> oh, wow. So oh, you'll, wow. you'll get, you'll be up. I've seen it. Like your wow. offering will be done. I'll pray for the offering, dismiss the ushers. And then this was before I was lead pastor. And so I would stand and I see like, oh, like, 20 people left. <laughs> you know, you're just like, hmm. my mind. So I'm like, is there anybody that's going to be present for the word? Like, but typically they're using the bathroom, taking a break, coming back, you know, because church will be last a little bit long. It's just, it's funny. Different churches have different customs. I don't think we need to like strong arm people into giving or like use any emotional tactics or like strategic blocking of the door. <laughs> you go to some Baptist churches though. Seriously, they'll do that. You you are yeah. blocked. Yeah. You cannot leave. It. Like you cannot leave. Like you cannot walk. T- I remember I had to go to the bathroom one time, and I just was holding it for a long time when I was a kid. And I go to the bathroom. I was like twelve, thirteen, and then I get up and I'm at a Baptist church, 
and they were blocking it and they would not let me and i was like huh like, so it don't even use, make no sense it's not like you have getting a paycheck that you can yeah i was like yo give I, to the church. I, i'm i need to use the bathroom like i don't want to pee on the pew like you know what do you want me to say did they let you through uh eventually but only because my father was a preacher there's a guest preacher and my mom was at the front and she looked back at the 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 uh usher yeah and she was like and she pointed at the usher and she was like, oh. <laughs> wow. So when she realized it was me, it was like, oh, oh, yeah. You don't want any problems because that's a way that you'll get removed from the usher board if the pastor complains about that to you or pastor. Yeah. So there's like, yeah. Yeah. So it's just funny. I don't think we have to strong arm people, especially now we got online automated giving, recurring giving. I think we're doing okay. Like, you know, like people will be able to do what they do. Right. Whether it's in the moment or outside of the moment. So you don't have to like beat them up about yeah. it. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So that's that's something that's a, a very in-house black church rule that you know, you know that's not. And, and really and truly, that's been years since our church had even really thought about that. But being a non-denominational church for years, what happened is you would get all these, this just amalgam of different customs from AME, Baptist, mm-hmm, Kojic, mm-hmm, PAW, mm-hmm. and you get them all coming together. And depending on who was over a department, whatever their upbringing was, they would kind of enforce that like and it wasn't in written it wasn't written it was just no way now don't let anybody out during offering people be like what like i even remember the first time i found out we did it years ago when i was a kid i was like really and they're like yeah don't leave during offering i was like for what thing yeah all i got is 25 cent like (laughs) i don't know like but it also kind of i hopefully it doesn't reinforce stereotypes about the black church and money and stuff like that so yeah, that might be one we need to let go. Right, right, right. Well, this is another one that might be very sort of like white church centric. Um, although I've heard black folks complain about it too. You don't go overtime hmm. in worship. You don't go overtime. People are used to, even though it's what is unspoken, overtime in worship? What is overtime? You don't in go. You don't have a service that run runs long. Wow. Unless you absolutely have to. That is or not a black church thing. It is said in advance because we've got, you know, baptisms or a graduation or something like that. But people get used to the service taking a certain amount of time. And if it goes over that, particularly because of a longer sermon, you're going to hear the grumblings. Hmm. And I think part of it's very unhealthy in the sense that People just want to get out of church and do other stuff Hmm. and not like sort of be with God's people and be in the moment. It's a sign of like, you know, are we just checking off a box by going to church on Sunday? And so we want it to be over and done with as quickly as possible. Like, I don't know, washing the dishes or whatever. Um, So there's that. And I've been at churches where like, Guys have a tea time and they're ready to go golfing. <laughs> they are yeah. on their way out to go fishing. They got their boat trailer attached to the car, you know, ready to go. Uh, or they just don't want to be there. You know, this is especially guys that I've seen. Right. So right. um, and then if you do go over, it's like, you know, that was a good that was a good sermon. It was a little long, but there was a good sermon. You know, they'll say something. Oh, you'll, they'll, you'll, they'll sneak it in there somehow. You'll get the you'll get where the Where it was comments. like, keep it short. And then I've even been in situations where 
whether as a guest preacher or um, hearing others doing like trial sermons, if they're, you know, doing a pastoral search, the sermon length is a big deal. Right. right. <laughs> it's a big deal. And usually on the long side, right? Hmm. Few times, it's, it's, it's rare they'll complain that it's too short. <laughs> right. It's usually, oh, it's too long. So this is really interesting because I'm, I, this is a hotly contested, I say it's not a thing in the black church, but it is actually a hotly contested issue. Um, depending on region, denomination, and situation, hmm. right? So I heard one pastor in D.C. who talked about um, the emphasis of why it's so important to respect people's time, right? I want to respect your time, which means I, I start on time and then I end on time. Like, I want to respect your time. And we'll have a great service in between, but we don't have to belabor the point, right? Now, that's a pastor in D.C., so in Washington, D.C., of yeah. course, like time is everything. You're not going for a two hour service after the week that you've had and also after the influence that you're exerting. Right. This is Washington, D.C. Now, in a Pentecostal church, uh, one of the things that is dangerous is too much programmatic, like mm-hmm. tightly mm-hmm. tied. Now, for us, you know, we believe in service programming. So I think service programming is extremely important. Like, yes, let's have some sort of a, of guesstimate of how long this is going to take. And if we say five minutes, let's start a clock, right? I'm not talking about starting a clock for worship per se, but for especially announcements and offering and stuff like that, we can just, you know, we don't have to belabor that point because that's where things get long-winded, you know? Um, and then I think, you know, also in Pentecostal settings, one of the things is, no, you expect an altar time. So the pastor that I'm under right now, I mean, their service could be two and a half hours and people will all be glued there. Nobody's leaving. <laughs> like, you know, six, seven hundred people, nobody's leaving. Hmm. You know, they're just like locked in and he can preach for however long and keep their attention and do what he needs to do and and do all that. And he'll start with singing, he'll sing some hymns at the beginning, everything. And I'm like, I could never, you know, <laughs> like, I mean, cause that's just not me, yeah. you know, and it's not to say I, I couldn't, but I don't think I have enough ability to keep attention over the course of time. I don't want people to drift, right? Yes. yes. He does it extremely well. I don't want people to drift, but it kind of depends on region, right? So what is happening? What do you, what is the expectation of your congregation? And does your congregation expect like this powerful move of God or do they just, are they professionals and they right. just want to be like, time. My time is important. Now, the cool thing about this is, and I'm not saying necessarily church should be this consumeristic, but it is helpful when churches have multiple services, right? Because multiple services, I grew up where we had three Sunday morning services. So we had an 8 a.m. service, a 9.30 service, and an 11.30 service. And so the 11.30 service was typically for young families and visitors. Mm -hmm. The 9.30 service was for the really intense church crowd that is ready for something powerful. They were typically the hottest service in terms of sermon reaction. They would get up and dance. They would belabor the point. They would really push the 1130 service because they knew visitors were coming, right? So it's like, they're not going to show up on time. Like, that's just the mentality. But the 8 a.m. service was a one-hour service straight, Mm. consistently. Mm. Get out by 9. And people knew it. And so they came to the 8 a.m. service because they knew they were going to get out by 9. Yeah. And when you get out by 9, you can go and you have the rest of your day. That was their thought process. So again, I'm not necessarily saying church should be this consumeristic, but well, that is beneficial I mean, there's also, like, yeah. because it's just real, it's just real world. Like you're a human being. Absolutely. I mean, and, and it's, uh, it's not totally consumeristic to, to have 
a reasonable idea of how long you'll be at the service. Yes. Right? Yes. There are some folks who have to work on Sunday. Um, if you have oh, young absolutely. families, yeah, I mean, yeah. that's a big deal. If you're going past nap time or past snack time or past whatever, right? Like that stuff matters and is important. And also I think it is a part of, we've talked about liturgy before. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. It's a, it's a, it's a way of sort of, uh, discipling through action in, right. in the service, right? right? So, but, to the unspoken part, right? There is a, a, a sort of undercurrent among some that if you don't sort of adhere to this rigid expectation about when the service ends in particular, they're hmm. going to be disgruntled. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. I think that's a, and it's interesting. You know what's, you know what really freaked me out? And then maybe this is another unwritten church rule, right? Um, unwritten church rule before you make a change, know who holds the influence. You know what really freaked me out in church ministry? It's a lot of people that you would never see in front that are incredibly influential and can dictate whether or not something goes through. Hmm. It messed me up. Like, I'm serious. I, I'm triggered by it. Yeah. Like, I'm like, really? Yeah, that informal influence. It is really interesting, you know? And you have these people who are making the decisions. Well, I'm, they literally are able to bend the church around tea time. Wow. They're literally yeah. able to bend the church around their schedule just because they were, they were vocal enough about it. That is something else to me. I kind of want to get away from that. Yeah, it shouldn't be based on one yeah. family or one individual's preferences. I don't care. I kind of don't care how much I, I don't know who who gives what at our church that's yeah. kind of my rule i don't know i don't know anything like so you know if someone comes up and they're smiling big i mean like, oh, i don't know if you gave i don't know you know mm-hmm. like if it's leadership that's different because we have to make sure you're being a faithful steward things like that but i just want to know people are giving like i don't need to know amounts i don't know who our top giver is not, none of that so any times i'm you know people people are like oh and they use that right mm-hmm they just, it's like they use that. And I was like, you know what? I kind of hate that. Mm. And I kind of want to get away from that. Yeah. Like the idea that in the church, even money equals influence. Yeah. Like you're buying stock, much pay, much say, right? right. Like you're buying stock in the church. Yeah. I, I kind of hate that. Right. Like I, I have more shares because I. Right. Right. <laughs> what does that more. mean? Therefore. And that it goes to the, well, you know, there's a whole other conversation, but the, the pastor as CEO, right? Hmm, hmm. And treating um, the pastor as someone there who is, who's there to please a quote unquote board of directors. Right. No, definitely. It should be the elders or the deacons, right? In, in a servant mentality, but they have a very sort of corporatist consumer mentality. Oh, exactly. if you don't deliver what I want, exactly, you get removed. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. anyway, no, that's definitely it. Definitely it. And that means also knowing who's on the the deacon board and the usher board, yep. and all that, you yep. know, the elder board. You know, all these things. Give us one more, Jamar. <laughs> so again, a lot of my experience in churches has been in white evangelical and reform circles, and I can list half a dozen unspoken church rules, but they all fall under this heading. Don't be too black. Hmm. Don't be too black. (laughs) You can be black. You could be a person of color because guess what? That makes us look good and feel good. 
it is the idea that we are inclusive somehow, that mm. we are, you know, racially open-minded if you are present with us. But if you bring too much of yourself, too yes. much of your cultural background, too much of your uh, church tradition into this setting that's predominantly white, then that's a problem. So wow. we talked about before about, you know, emotive worship, clapping, right, right. you know, hands up. Probably what you wear kind of too, right? That's exactly where I was going next. What you wear, right? So I So no hats in the sanctuary for you, right? No. Right. Okay. Mm-mm. Yeah. That's yeah. What I yeah. And uh even women, it wasn't like a lot of church hat kind oh, of yeah, culture not, either. So I, I can remember it was a problem when we had black interns at our church and on a, on a, a 99% of the time, we are not dressing in suits and ties. Right. But when you were quote unquote on staff, even as an intern, there was a different expectation, right? Especially if you were up front. You know? Okay. So this is on Sunday and then throughout the week as well? Sunday, or, for in my case, at Presbytery. Okay, so for every church function. Yeah. Wow. I mean, so so here was like the double standard, right? Like, so so Presbytery is like the regional meeting of uh, elders, sure, preachers and teachers and whatnot. The white guys could come in and almost anything. I mean, usually <laughs> they didn't go down below. They could do khakis and a polo. Every every now and again, you might get a younger guy like a college minister in in jeans and a polo or something. Right, that was rare. But as a black guy, oh no, you came in a button down shirt, a blazer, dress pants or khakis, and 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 the expect the the unspoken thing was if you dressed casually, if you had camos on or Tim's on or whatever your normal dress was, you were being disrespectful. Hmm. You weren't fitting in. Hmm. You were not treating whatever hmm. role, you know, with the honor it deserved. And again, there there was no meeting where they sat us down and said, listen, black guys, <laughs> this is your uniform now. <laughs> right, right. But it was very clear, you know. Don't be too black. Right. How does that work itself out in confrontation? Like if you ever have to have some oh, sort right. of conflict I I feel like that could be weaponized. You're always the angry black whatever. Wow. Yeah, I've heard that from people, especially as they talk about Leave Loud, how even just them simply saying, hey, I would like to have a conversation about this or can we talk about this? And people are like, oh, I'm going to block you. You know, and it's It's just like you just turn up. You're like, what? (laughs) I'll even put 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 a further layer on it beyond the sort of, stuff we would initially think about it was things like i can remember uh going into these reform circles and it was frowned upon that you would send your kids to public schools Hmm. very much frowned upon Hmm. you were sending your kids to caesar to be educated (laughs) right to the secular (laughs) godless world and what are you doing why aren't you homeschooling or at least sending them to a private christian school right Yes. That was wild to me. So it, it was it was wild when um, I told people I was a educator in a public school. Wow. And my wife was as well. And they were like, really? Oh, wow. How was that? What are you talking about? How was that? It's a school. <laughs> what are you talking about? It's a vocation. Yes. And then um, the other one is, is sort of related, is that if there is any way imaginable that your wife would could be a stay at home wow 
parent, they would. Oh, do that. you touch. Okay, look, go there. The go expectation there. was that if your wife was working, there was something monumentally pressing going on in your household right, that right. forced it to happen, and that as soon as humanly possible that you could alleviate that situation, she would be back in the home. The patriarchy is strong with these strong. ones. Strong. And it gets back to these, you know, these twisted ideas of, of what is quote unquote biblical manhood and biblical right. womanhood. Right. And, um, what I had to tell people is a lot of what makes your sort of expectation of stay at home moms possible is the labor of black and brown women <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> like and and, exactly. and black women yes, never had the luxury yes. of saying hey no worries stay home yeah. they had to raise their babies and, and white people's babies and they had to clean their house and white people's houses yes you yes. know so in and 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 the folks who who had this again unspoken they didn't know they had zero framework right for understanding right. that they just thought it was the quote-unquote christian way hmm. don't be too black that's a big one that feels like a life unwritten rule <laughs> true enough it got, spills way beyond the walls of a church don't be too black man that's heavy that's heavy thank you for sharing that that's important i think that's gonna set some people free too. make them feel really seen i only have one more what's that um, and then we can close if you have another one. Um, listen, if you come to a black church and you clap on the one in the, <laughs> uh, let, let's, I just, I just, I need you to, I, uh, can y'all, I know white folks listen to this and I love you, but can you, can you read the room? Can you just, just read the room? Just have self-awareness. Cause you see when you do that, it's just, it throws off, you know, the vibe <laughs> of what's happening. So that might be a sway situation. That might be. You know, even if it's like you hold your hands together and you like, you know, do the hands wow, up and down, wow, you know. Wow. I mean, there's a lot of things you can do. You you fully expressive worship. You can dance. You can come down to the front. You can lift both of your hands. You can jump up and down. <laughs> but see, you. when you clap on the one and the three, it feels it feels out of order. Like it just it, I don't know. It's just something about it. It just it just feels out of order. It when feels they try out of order. Okay. I just I can't I can't. So, you know, I might I might say something to you. If you come to our church and you're like doing that, I'm like be like, uh, don't do that. You know. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> they got really quiet. They were like, wow, he's serious. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But I mean, I'm not going to, somebody else will. But yeah, so I'm just saying, you know you what? Know, like, you know, just just you know, rhythm is cross cultural. Yeah. You know, you can't say you gotta be perfect with it. I'm just saying if you on the one and the three, like just read, just read the room, you know. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, Jamar. Yes. <laughs> that sounds good. That sounds good. So let's let's rewrite some of these rules. Yes. Let's speak what's unspoken. That's the key right there, is we need to have these conversations. And especially because you have to understand that millennial Gen Z, we don't care about a lot of this stuff. We're not mm-hmm. thinking about a lot of this mm-hmm. stuff. And while it's good to educate us on liturgy that is necessary, it's also good to listen to those liturgies that were harmful Mm. and those liturgical elements that were unwritten and also unsafe for many people. So let's rewrite those rules. Please rewrite those rules.